What's up, wrestling fans? You greasy motherfuckers, the greasiest wrestling fans in all the world, tuning into Rope Break Episode 7. This is Episode 7, the seventh time we've done this. I am your host, The Greg Flynn. This is a pro wrestling podcast available live on Tuesdays at twitch.tv slash wetmeatwrestling. And of course, wherever you get podcasts after that on YouTube, on Spotify, on Apple, go subscribe, leave a comment, leave a rating. If you would be so bold, if you're enjoying the podcast, or maybe you're hate listening and hate watching. Oh, brother, like I feel like so many people uh, do and or are about to. Because uh, if you didn't know, I put all of the clips. This is where I'm going to start today. I'm going to start with this. If you're watching live or if you're watching on YouTube, I'm going to start with these sexy glasses and this sexy mustache. But then we're just going to coast on past it into uh, where we're going to start today, which is talking about uh, really fandom. I want to talk about the two different fandoms, the two different kingdoms, if you will, under which that rule over uh, the two different fandoms, the two different kingdoms that uh, wave and raise their banners, if you will, uh, the WWE and the AEW, uh, and then the fandoms that fall after that. And I really want to talk about all that, to be honest with you guys, um, on kind of a personal level and where I fall in that. And the reason I want to do that is because um, well, I'll just say it. The clips on TikTok have been doing fantastic. Uh, the clips of this podcast on social media, uh, TikTok and Instagram and YouTube shorts, you name the platform, they go up on it. And, uh, you name the platform and they do really well on it. I'm honored. And, uh, it's been fucking amazing. The comment section, uh, on social media, the people engaging, the passion, the intelligence, uh, and just the Markish enthusiasm, the good kind of Marks, <laughs> the Markish enthusiasm, uh, has been totally fucking awesome. Uh, however, dun, 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 there's a but. <laughs> there's always a but. There's always a but for some shit to come out of. And the but is that a lot of people in those comment sections really feel the need to put me in my place. And, uh, you know, I think that's something that when you take an opinionated stance in a fandom and you and you and you decide that you're not going to care um, or have your rather, you know, I care what other people think. I'm interested in what other people think. That's the fun. That's the comment section. That's why I listen to other wrestling podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. Like I I love all that. Don't get me wrong. So I, ca- I care deeply what people think in like a fun, creative, conversational way. But the problem, <laughs> the problem with caring what, uh, with what caring about, excuse me, what other people think, is is the is the passion that gets misdirected uh, into venom. It seems like you know the way I watch these shows, and I'll start here, and this is how we'll unpack this. I watch wrestling, well, as what I am, which is a mark, which is a fan. I am a fan of professional wrestling. I grew up a fan of professional wrestling. Professional wrestling is entertainment, and it is engaging entertainment and interesting entertainment. And there's layers to it, just like there are layers to anything. Okay, there's the type of fans who watch baseball for 
the on-field entertainment uh, during the game. And I'm thinking about that because my beloved Texas Rangers uh, made the World Series last night. But there are fans who watch that World Series uh, coming up here, and they'll just see the players, and they'll just be interested by it, and they'll see some home runs and some pitches, and that will be enough. And then there are other fans that are curious about, well, why these guys? Why are they here? Well, what's a salary cap? What's a draft? What are trades? What's a general manager and a team president? How is this team assembled? Why these guys? Why doesn't my favorite team have more good players? What's going on behind the scenes that's causing this to look the way that it does? Ooh, because I like what I'm seeing so much. And the way my brain works is that it's funneling into what it's seeing. Because I am the nerd that plays franchise mode in all my favorite sports games, right? And I am the nerd that is uh, from his, you know, from his recliner, from his markish position, peeling back the curtain on professional wrestling and asking those questions. What's going on behind the scenes? I mean, gosh, the video games is a great example, and I have so much history in video games, but there's so many video games about booking professional wrestling, and salaries and storylines like they literally make video games about that that are that play functionally like spreadsheets like and those games are amazing and I love that sort of thing and I love peeling back the curtain and saying and really asking the question like for example you know last week on the podcast we talked about salaries and this is this might be kind of we'll get into the devil that is in the details here a little bit and why I'm starting this way uh, like one example is uh, talking about salaries and a lot of people get really bent out of shape. Like why you care how much money these wrestlers are making. These wrestlers work their ass off for this moment and wrestlers making money is a good thing. And why are you calling out wrestlers for making money? I'm not, that's not what I'm doing. That's not what I'm doing. I'm a fan. I'm a mark. And I'm watching, and I want everyone to get paid. I want to get paid, and I want you to get paid, listener, and I want you to get paid, uh, wrestler. Like, don't, like, that's missing the point. The point is, I think it's fun to look at the spreadsheet and play that game. Because I think that, I think one of the joys of wrestling is figuring out where the real line of kayfabe is. And I think one of the best places to search for it is in booking and who gets over on who and why and when. Because then you're getting into the weeds of the booker sees person X as having star potential, as having the potential to carry a company, to carry a show, to carry a television program. This is show business. This is entertainment. This is the person who, this is our movie star. This is the person who's going to win the Oscar and get the lead role. And we're going to have a lot of attention on this person. So the booker is the person asking the question, who is this person and why them? And now all of a sudden we're into the business part of the show. Well, are they under contract? Are there other uh, stars and role players, et cetera, et cetera, under contract that will complement them? Can we build a team here? Can we build a show out of that team? Can we entertain with that team? And that's what I'm looking at when after the show and even during the show when I watch. 
I watch the shows on Mark and I enjoy it and I absorb it. And I ask myself, how did this happen? How did we get to this? That was great. I loved it. How did it happen? And then some weeks I go, you know, that wasn't so great. How did that happen? Because sometimes there's a very legitimate reason. Why'd that guy get over? Well, because the other guy's leaving or retiring or doing this or he's addicted to drugs. I don't know. Whatever it is in professional wrestling in that moment, whatever decade and human we're talking about here. But that's so much fun to me. And it has always been fun to me. From the moment I learned that wrestling matches were predetermined, I'm 8, 10, 12 years old, you know, a young wrestling fan. I asked myself, well, what is real here? What is the real thing? Why, where is the passion? Because if you're telling me that, that it's, a, it's predetermined in the sense that it's just a hoax, like I feel like some people say it's predetermined as a way of trying to say it's a hoax and none of them care. None of them care about any of this. So you caring makes you an idiot. You funneling and you looking behind the scenes and you peeling back the curtain on, the, on all that, what's happening, why'd he get over, why this story makes you a fool because they're playing you. Well, yeah, they are playing me. I'm consenting to getting played. It's my entertainment. But you can't tell me that on the other side of that, the wrestlers are incredibly passionate about getting the lead role in, in the show. They want the lead role. Like, who gets into show business? As somebody in show business, who the fuck gets into show business thinking, I mean, I guess some people think in certain parts of their life or career, boy, I'd be a great uh, side piece character actor. I'd be really great uh, if they just, in this two-hour movie, if I had a two-minute uh, bit part where I got some laughs. I mean, yeah, maybe you, <laughs> there's could be self-awareness. Maybe that's where some people figure out they belong. But I think that in show business... For people like us, there is a drive and a desire to be the lead role. And so they are incredibly passionate, which what I'm getting at means there is competition and meritocracy behind the scenes too. There's competition and meritocracy going on in the business. And then booking it and creatively planning your show is functionally how that meritocracy plays out. And that is so fun about wrestling. And ask like smart marks who just get the bug and love wrestling. They'll tell you functionally the same thing. It's like kind of watching a real sport in a certain way. Because you understand that if somebody can perform as enhancement talent, they're interesting and funny and charismatic and impactful and athletic and can work and can structure a match, all of a sudden... You're spotting young talent that's going to develop and rise, and you can watch someone rise up in their career. And then you start getting really passionate and opinionated about that. And then when you see Tony Khan, for example, in AEW, and we'll just get into it. We'll start shifting into that now. But when you see Tony Khan making what you perceive to be mistakes, well, if you're that type of fan... You're going to say, I don't like the way he's writing the show, right? You watch seven seasons of Breaking Bad, you might not have loved season six. I don't remember what happens in season six. But when you're invested and passionate about something, I mean, and, and the other side of it is when you're an adult, 
when you're passionate and an adult, you start loving it like an adult. You start loving it with a sense of maturity, which means you're not doe-eyed. You're not doe-eyed, cross-eyed saying this is wrestling, thus everything about it is perfect and entertainment and I love it. You're loving it like an adult, which means, oh, that, that's a little bit of a wart over there. Oh, I see that wart over there. And then what you do with that information is totally up to you. Obviously, you can turn off the show. You can talk about it. You can hate watch it. Some of the people on TikTok seem to be watching me. Or you can just look past it. You can wonder what could have been. And I wonder what could have been a lot. And I wonder what could have been a lot with AEW. Because, ugh. Believe me, AEW sold me. AEW captured me. In the early days of AEW, I was all in. I was the biggest AEW mark. I was so anti-WWE and had been for so long. So this is the origins of my fandom of AEW. And, I, and really, that's kind of what's sparking this whole conversation. Again, the devil is in the details. The detail is that a lot of AEW fans think I just fucking hate AEW. And it's hilarious to me because AEW changed my life. I'm not sitting here talking to this camera, creating the clips, creating the podcast without AEW. There's not probably an EF, there's not an EFED without AEW, which means literally everything I do in my content life and career and passion doesn't exist potentially maybe I find my way to it but I don't know what that path would have been looking back without AEW because it was AEW that was the catalyst and the spark that fundamentally changed my life there was like a two-year period we'll get kind of personal I don't want to get too personal just because I don't want to bore you guys to be totally honest but there was like a two three well for being honest maybe like a 30-year period of my life <laughs> but like a two or three year period as an adult where I was creating content that I wasn't proud of and I felt directionless and I was building relationships to be totally honest that I wasn't proud of I wasn't proud of the work I was putting into frankly anything in my life I wasn't proud of the work that I was putting into content. I didn't feel like it was the work I wanted to be doing. I was streaming on Twitch, creating YouTube videos about technology and, and, and software and things like that. And it just wasn't fulfilling. It wasn't fun. I wasn't enjoying it and I, there was no passion. There was no spark. So I wouldn't work hard at it. And I think that that was sort of universal. I think the way you do anything is the way you do everything. So I was approaching fatherhood that way. I was approaching my marriage that way. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that AEW alone changed all that. But what I will say is that about, what was it? It might have been six months after AEW started. I mean, I like to say I started watching AEW day two, which is that I started watching it a little bit before the pandemic. I got in one or two pay-per-views before the pandemic hit, obviously in March of 2020. And it changed everything. The passion was self-evident and dripping out of every single match that you saw, every single run-in that you saw, 
Everything about it was dripping in love and passion and enthusiasm. And it lighted, it lit, excuse me, a fire in me. And I immediately started sharing it with my wife and kids. And it became, I mean, Jesus Christ, you guys, I'll just be real. Like it may be one of the only activities that I've been able to push over with our whole family that originated from me that can impact the culture of the family. And we started watching the shows together. And in the past, it was dumb old dad and his dumb suggestions. I don't want to play video games. I don't want to do X, Y, Z, right? Those of you who are dads, might, that might be very real to you. But wrestling got over. And I think the reason wrestling got over with my family and my kids, and we were able to watch it for a number of years together after that as a family, now my kids are teenagers, and it's just like there's no winning. But Jesus Christ, it's so much better with them. And AEW is a part of why. Because we were watching these shows as families, and their passion bled into me, and it reignited my childhood fantasy and my childhood dreams and my childhood p- passion of professional wrestling and theater and show business and, every, and sports and competition and all the little branches that can come off of that tree. And I think my kids and my wife saw that. And so they could kind of use me as a leader and example. Oh, that's how you watch this. Oh, that's, that's why this is interesting. Oh, I kind of get it. Oh, cool. Oh, neat. And I would watch AEW Dark with my kids and we would be glued to it, to these fucking YouTube squash matches. Because the wrestlers were getting a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity from their vantage point, and, and they were. Because something had been created, an alternative had been created, another option had been created. Not, not just in terms of jobs, but in terms of like jobs for wrestlers, but in, in, in jobs for people who make this show, and, and another alternative for the way in which the show is presented. Another alternative for the styles of wrestling. These were all incre- These are all good things about AEW. These are all like the best of the best things about AEW. The best of the best things about wrestling in general. And WWE does amazing things too. But I had become so frustrated by some things in WWE, in the booking, in the storytelling, that it, you know I lost my interest as a teenager. And it was AEW when I was an adult, when I was a directionless, depressed adult. That excited me. And really, I think at the core of it was seeing the elite because they were guys that were all about. And I used to talk to, I used to, you guys, this so it, it just blows my mind that I'm the guy on TikTok last week who hates AEW because I used to sit in bed and talk to my wife with tears in my eyes. Seeing these guys in the elite, Cody Rhodes, Kenny Omega, the Bucks. I really didn't know that much about any of them. I knew a little bit about Cody Rhodes. But what I could see was that they were athletic and fun in the ring. That was my first introduction. I was super excited, particularly about learning about Kenny Omega back then, because he he was blowing my mind with what he was doing in the ring. And the emotional part comes in. They were guys who were five years older than me, kind of in their late 30s at that time, and I think they still are. It was only a few years ago. And they were kind of apexing. They were kind of peaking. They were kind of having an opportunity to, 
that was in many ways self-created, I think that some of the warts we see are kind of their warts at this point. I think some of the things that the, the mystique coming over from Japan was actually built by great booking in Japan and great storytelling in Japan. And I think we kind of see that now with Kenny Omega and the Bucks. I think we kind of see that now with Hangman Page. But at the time, all that we saw was the passion. All that we saw was the performance. What was happening in the squared circle. And the joy correlated to that. And that was so fucking inspiring and contagious. And I looked at that and I said, there is nothing stopping me from peaking in my late 30s when I'm their age. There is nothing stopping me from pursuing dreams. There is nothing stopping me from being involved in whatever I want to be involved in. If it's wrestling, great. If it's talking about wrestling, great. If it's something else, great. But it was that personal human level of seeing Fucking nerdy guys, gamer guys, athletic sports guys, the guys in the elite, Cody Rhodes talking about video games. Kenny Omega is a video game savant, right? That guy plays everything or used to and talks about games a lot. But the point being that there were enough uh, personal attachment points that I looked up to this, these guys in this situation. And I looked up to the passion and I was jealous and I was envious, but... For the first time in my life, I didn't uh, curmudgeon about it. I did something about it. I let it inspire me. I let it shift me. And so I started making, that's when I started making the EFED. And the EFED just spiraled out of control and changed and continued this thread of changing my life. And I can then, I can just spin off of this now and I won't for hours on how the E-Fed has had me grow creatively and personally. The relationships, I don't even know where to start. And I won't. That's a discussion for another time. We're talking about AEW. We're talking about the origins of my passion for AEW and how it rekindled my passion for wrestling at large. The problem that they have is that they have undercut that passion. They have undercut it. They have bottled it and sold it to us and commercialized it. And then they haven't done anything with it. They haven't grown it. They haven't worked on it. They haven't grinded at this passion. I really believe that. And, it, and, and now to come back to, like, for example, salaries. Why do I bring up, why, why, why do I care how much a wrestler is making? The reason I care is because I am trying to figure out for myself what is happening here. Why is there a lack of passion here? Why does it feel like the stories now are all about... Um, why is it that CM Punk gets involved and all of a sudden there's two, just two narratives behind AEW? That CM Punk is a total arrogant douchebag and or Tony Khan and the elite are big pussies who don't understand wrestling. And there doesn't seem to be a lot of in-between. There doesn't seem to be a lot of insight. You're either one or the other. Which is it? Are the elite 
pussies or is CM Punk a diva douchebag? Which do you, like which side are you on? I'm on neither side. I'm on the side that creates engaging storytelling. I'm on the fucking booking committee, motherfucker. At least in my mind and my heart. That's where I am. That's where I stand on CM Punk and the Elite. Where's the fucking interesting story for my show? Because the show is what matters. So I get this hate for being on Mark for obsessing about the show and figuring out how we're going to put on an interesting show and make it engaging. And I'm looking behind the scenes just to answer those questions. How are we creating the show? How are we getting to the moment where the show exists? And what is the show going to be? That's the fun. What's the script to the show? I like production. I like direction. I like creativity. I am obsessed with storytelling. I can tell a story in a 90-second promo in the EFED. I'm going to toot my own horn here. I'm a virtuoso at it. I have a limited skill (laughs) set in video editing, but I do have a skill set in video editing, and I can use it to tell stories in a 90-second fucking package, and I watch myself do that, and I'll be honest with you motherfuckers, I compare that to what I see on AEW, and they can't hold a candle to what I do on my show. I believe that. I have limitations financially, production value-wise, et cetera, et cetera. I'm making a comedy show. I'm making a satire. I'm making a cartoon out of a video game. That's not lost on me. But the reality is that my fucking cartoon drips passion. And all elite wrestling... Drips with drama, drips with like bad drama. Like he said, she said, bullshit. What side are you on? Oh, you must be a CM Punk fed head WWE mark because you'll say anything that represents awareness about how Kenny Omega and the Bucks and Tony Khan might be behind the scenes because you can read through that at all and have any sort of opinion on that at all. You're a fed head WWE. No, I'm not, man. I'm a storyteller. And wrestling is about storytelling. And I think that that's what frustrates me about AEW is they're not tracking the storytelling. I think that they've made attempts at it. I think that they don't fully get it. I think that's the head. I think Tony Khan is the mark. I, I, I feel Dixie Carter vibes from him. And I tell you what, we'll start wrapping up this segment. We'll take a break and then I'll cool off and we'll transition. I want to talk about WWE a little bit. Um, but I'm going to say some complimentary things about AEW here coming in, in the next minute here because I've liked what they've been doing on Collision. Frankly, they're doing on Collision a lot of the things that I want to see more singles matches, a more competitive vibe, silliness and storytelling and characters. And, you know, Malachi Black is still Malachi Black. I'm not calling for everyone to have black trunks on and simply be a human wrestler (laughs) and have that be their character. I'm not saying that. I'm sorry, I just went down that rabbit hole in my mind. (laughs) But 
Brian Danielson, who kind of does that a little bit. And I was talking about Malachi Black. He came out and confronted Brian Danielson on collision. Brian Danielson is on the run to end all runs right now. He is doing phenomenal work in AEW. There are good things happening happening in AEW that's, that excite me, that make me want to tune in, that make me want to watch. And he's at the top of the list. And Swerve Strickland is great. And Christian Cage is great. And Tony Storm is hilarious and great. There's things I like there, but what I was going to say before I got off topic was that Tony Khan is giving me like Dixie Carter energy. So the, if you don't know Dixie Carter, she was the money behind TNA in, in the origins of it. And she was bringing in everyone she could to try to help her get TNA over. And Dixie Carter really eventually, I mean, the story ends. I don't want to like I'm not here to talk shit about <laughs> her. I'm here to talk shit about Tony Khan, lol. But she got a reputation for, like, why is this person ultimately here? Why is this person pushing into the wrestling business with all this money, having not been in the wrestling business, having not understood it, having not even necessarily been a fan? So you can kind of see the comparisons to Tony Khan. Tony Khan grew up a fan, grew up super passionate about it, grew up interested about it. So it's not one for one. Tony Khan is not Dixie Carter. But when you look at bloated salaries, it reminds you of WCW. If you've done your homework on WCW, you know that guaranteed salaries, overpaying wrestlers with guaranteed salaries to poach them away from the WWE and then underutilizing them, thus creating frustration and apathy, was a recipe for disaster in the WCW. Like these guys are passionate. They don't you don't you don't get a body like that and you don't get to the top of your any profession without a ton of passion and work ethic. So people will think things like, oh well, you gotta pay all that money to people starting up this company, because you gotta start with something, you gotta start somewhere, you gotta make these investments. Yeah, I get that, but the other side of that is Andrade El Idolo is literally punching Sammy Guevara trying to get fired. Like that whole story broke right after the CM Punk thing, if you remember, six months ago or a little more. Like you're creating a culture where, yeah, sure, guys have their paychecks. They don't have their passion. You're paying them for their passion. Like you're literally collecting it. When you pay a guy all this money and then say, creative is nothing for you. Creative is nothing for you. Week after week, stay home. Stay home, Malachi Black. Stay home, Miro. Stay home. Stay home. We got nothing. Stay home. We got nothing. Stay home, Hangman Page. And all of these wrestlers, and you hear this critique constantly of AEW that just, you know, do a couple of jobs and then disappear for months. It's like, what is happening? Where's, where's the sense of anything? Where's the sense of storytelling? Where's the sense of the show? It's not there. And I don't know what's going on. I don't know if they plan on having the show be a show, if that makes sense. Or is the show simply, is All Elite Wrestling simply a fourth wall breaking entity, entity, excuse me, that books wrestling matches and then the wrestlers figure the rest out? And that's what you're supposed to enjoy. That, that okay. Like, I would accept that if that was even the claim, but it's not the claim. It feels like the claim is that AEW is 
everything. It's that. But also we're doing this uh, vibe on Collision where we're going to have more singles matches and tighter uh, uh, between match character building storytelling on an athletic front. We're also doing that on Collision. Also, we have like an in-house style of wrestling, uh, which is invented by Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks with a lot of spots and a lot of high flying and, and a lot of fucking tiger driver drops on the neck and whatever else. Um, and that, and that's what we are. And we're just everything. And we're technical wrestling and Oh, our highest paid wrestler, uh, just likes to bleed and deathmatch a lot. He knows a few of the moves, uh, but beyond that, he's mostly interested in getting cut the fuck open. We're also that. And we're also, and we're also, and we're also, and we're also, but we're also the little guy. We're also just the alternative. Yo, you're a jack of all trades and a master of nothing. Become a master of something. And I think that that's really, I think I found it. I think that that in many ways is really the critique that I have of AEW. I don't want it to be uh, WWE light. I don't want it to be mini WWE. I don't give a fuck. I love wrestling. I watch anything. And I love the different styles and I, and I like seeing different styles on a show sometimes. But, Jesus Christ. If you're going to do everything, you're never going to be great at anything. I want to see AEW decide they're going to be great at something. What is AEW? What are they great at? What is their name and their brand? Is it the super indie? Is it what they're going to try to bring to collision? What is it? is it? Is it a unique in-house style of wrestling that you can only get in AEW? Okay, that's fine. Hire the right motherfuckers who can do that, who can work with Kenny Omega. Quit hiring people who can't and won't. Just hire people who can. That's fine. I don't care. You want? I could get into a hole. That makes me feel like, okay, Kenny Omega's a diva if they're in that situation, et cetera, et cetera. But it's irrelevant. Put on the show. Divas put on shows. I'm a diva. Put on the show. Do what you have to do to put on a great show. Like, quit settling for this sense of mediocrity. Man, this is just what we do. We're AEW. We're an alternative. What does it even fucking mean? An alternative to what? This is wrestling. Are you trying to fill the house or aren't you? Are you trying to entertain or aren't you? An alternative to what? An alternative to entertainment? You like entertaining wrestling or you like the alternative? Shitty wrestling. No, it's not, you're not an alternative. You are you, AEW. You are an alternative. This is the fucking takeaway. You are not an alternative to shit. You are you. You are you. You have a DNA somewhere, somewhere in the DNA of Tony Khan and Kenny Omega, deep in the cockles of their hearts, is the true identity of what AEW is meant to be or could be. It's highest self if you're a spiritual hippie like me. It's highest form. What its true potential is. And it can only be accessed through authenticity and passion and focus and discipline. It, you don't reach your best of your best by looking at other bigger things and saying, I'm an alternative to that. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm, so, I'm like that, but I'm not that. That's my defining feature. My defining feature is that I'm like that other amazing thing, but I'm not actually it. Does that sound good to you? No, you sound like a pussy. 
You sound like a limp-dicked bitch. What are you great at? What are you fucking great at? Why should I even turn you on? Damn. This is Rope Break, a pro wrestling podcast. I'll be back after the break with some thoughts on WWE. I ain't never missed my cue. Wrestling fans, welcome back to Rope Break, a pro wrestling podcast available live every Tuesday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern, 9.30 a.m. Pacific. And then, of course, wherever you get your podcasts. Man, it takes me a minute. I got really revved up there, you guys. I got a little, I got a little fired up there, you guys. I just, uh, man, I'll just be honest. I feel like, to be totally honest, the reason I get that way is, is because I've been finding my own work ethic, been finding my own passion, been finding my own authenticity, been finding my own stories that I want to tell. Excuse me. And as I've been finding all those things in my personal life more and more these last couple years, and professional wrestling being one of them, and a big one at that, only one at the end of the day, but one of them, one of the big ones. You know, I see the guys who are actually putting on the show. Like I said, this is envy. Like, I want to be there. I want to be there. I want to be where they, I want to be where Cody Rhodes and the elite were a few years ago, capturing that passion, apexing, peaking. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Especially who doesn't? Who, 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 who that has an interest in show business and performing or sports or whatever? Who doesn't? So it feels like they're squandering the opportunity. It feels like they're fumbling the ball sometimes. And I don't want to see that. That's going to be the worst thing for the pocketbooks and incomes and salaries of wrestlers. That's going to be the worst thing for wrestling fans. If AEW flops, gosh, you're really going to have a landscape where the next billionaire Mark or multimillionaire Mark or whoever, the next Dixie Carter, Tony Khan, is going to be really afraid to invest that money. They're going to see the business itself as not being viable in a certain way. They're going to see this as just WWE creates a product, and outside of that, there simply is no professional wrestling industry. There simply is no uh, opportunity in professional wrestling. Either get involved with what WWE does, or, or, or just there's, not, there's no other options. That's just it. Because if AEW fails, it's going to send a message that Maybe the wrestling, maybe it's the fans, maybe it's the lack of opportunity, maybe people don't care, maybe, you know, WWE functionally has this monopoly, even if it's just kind of an emotional monopoly, or a monopoly in the hearts and the minds of wrestling fans after all these years of not having alternatives. You know, it won't be forever. If AEW were to go away, I gotta think something else could and would emerge eventually, we had to wait 20 years after WCW for AEW. I need TNA, Dixie Carter. <laughs> but that's the thing. I don't want some punk-ass mustachio douchebag 20 years from now to go, AEW, but that was whatever. That was a blip on the radar. 
the way we say about TNA. That'd be a fucking shame. Then we'd have two of those. Three strikes, you're out, motherfuckers. So let's do this right. I don't even know what that is. I'm just happy to be holding a baseball thinking about the Texas Rangers. <laughs> let's talk about WWE. Hey, let's talk about the promotion doing things right. I'm just saying that to antagonize. Uh, that being said, they're doing what I described in the last segment more so, which is that they're trying, they have a vision of what they are, and they are honoring that. And that's what WWE does so well. And that's why people can say to, you know, to kind of the epilogue to, to the last segment, which is like the people who say, oh, you just want WWE light. No, 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 no. I'm not asking for, for what WWE does. I'm observing that WWE knows what it does and plays to that and plays to their strengths and covers up their weaknesses as best they can. And they lean in to the product and the vision that they are manifesting. And that's fundamentally what I am not seeing AEW doing. Let's talk about the vision of WWE. Uh, Let's talk about, there's only one match match I want to talk about. You know, I kind of talked about Brian Danielson. I kind of meant to talk a little bit more about him. Maybe we'll save that for next week because I really do think he is on the singles run to end all singles run. He's doing death matches, strap matches, technical matches, uh, the TNT title match. He, I mean, he's wrestling everyone. It's interesting. It's engaging. And it's getting him over as a wrestler and a competitor. It's kind of what I said in my last podcast. I'm looking for more from AEW. And it's phenomenal what Brian Danielson is doing. Uh, and in WWE, man, I, I can't believe I'm saying this because I've had issues with women's wrestling off and on over the years, but I'm like most interested in the women's division right now. And it's because of the two champions. Rhea Ripley is awesome. I love young wrestlers. I love young people. I love young talent bursting onto the scene. Who's next? Who's the new interesting young person? I love seeing young people get involved in the game, in the business, in the show. I love seeing young people live their passions, step up into their highest self, start living out that potential. And that's what Rhea Ripley's doing at WWE. That's so interesting. She's a little bit older, but that's also what EO Sky is doing in WWE right now. So that's the match that stuck out to me. You know, a few weeks ago, I was talking about EO Sky saying, now that she's champion, she's going to defend the belt against all these different people. And what is that going to look like? And I thought it could be amazing. I thought it could be amazing. And I was a little bit, hmm, when they did that triple threat match uh, with Charlotte and Bianca, was it B? I don't even remember now. It was uh, EO Sky and Charlotte Flair, and I believe Bianca Belair. It's irrelevant because. You know, triple threat matches, too many spots sometimes for me. I like, I don't know, I like, it's not even that it's a spot or a spot fest or anything like that. It's just that the storytelling gets a little muffed for me. I like to see a cleaner competitive story when I'm watching the match. And, like, the cleanest competitive story you can tell is this person is small and fast. This person is slow and strong. And they could tell that story uh, on SmackDown with Charlotte Flair versus Io Sky. 
1v1, it happened. I think it was really the first big kind of feather in EO's hat, the first big match of her title reign, the first big title defense. And holy shit, was I popping for this shit. It was so good. They killed it. They fucking killed it. And they killed it in a way where they didn't blow every load that they had. I don't know how else to word this. They saved things. <laughs> they saved things. Because the story of the match was every time EO Sky did some genius of the sky shit, Charlotte Flair was just too strong for it. She could catch her and suplex her. She could withstand the impact. Charlotte Flair was too big of a monster, too big of an athlete for the smaller EO Sky to try to to have an impact on. And so then that was the story of the match. And I feel like the way they were able to save kind of some moments in a weird way, like I have mixed feelings about EO Sky. Like I don't fully understand if she's a heel or not. Uh, I like those things to be a little bit more clean cut sometimes. That's just a personal preference. Um, tweeners get confusing. And it's sort of like she's with Bailey and the heel group, but she's so likable but also, she holds the championship belt for Charlotte Flair to not know about. And Charlotte spears her and hits her head on the belt. And that's how EO wins. So EO doesn't figure out any ge genius of the sky shit that finally works. EO, it finally works because she cheats. And it's like, okay, well, she's, okay, she's the heel. And okay, well, okay. Like, I, I, I want to root for her. I want to root for her so bad. But in a way, they by doing that, I can also see their side of it. They're postponing that moment. So now we can have a rematch. We can have three rematches, and we can eventually build to that moment where EO figures out Charlotte on an athletic level instead of just on a cheating level, which is why, at the end of the day, I say this match was so fucking good because it was entertaining to watch in the moment. I followed that story that was happening, and then it made me think about what's next as I pulled back the curtain, like I was saying in my own mind, and started figuring out, well, why this? Why didn't, oh, maybe we're going to get more? And then I started thinking, well, EO could be champion for a long time if they're slowing down some of those sort of moments and those sort of pops or whatever else that they could do. I get really excited about that. So... I'm so that's my way. It's like, I'm really excited about that. <laughs> I am. I loved that match. I'm, I'm a total mark for the WWE women's division right now, which is just, I mean, a testament. To, I mean, they've built it out of scratch these last 20 years, it feels like. Uh, the history of women's wrestling. Boy, that could, that could be a really good podcast, actually, because there are so many kind of peaks and valleys with it. Um but it's peaking right now. Holy cow, is it peaking right now. Um, and so that was the only match really from WWE that stood out. Uh, I didn't put any others in my notes. And as I sit here and think, of, maybe I'm missing one. Let me know if there were any great matches that deserve uh, to be talked about or deserve recognition. But I also want to look ahead to Crown Jewel because they've announced that my guy, L.A. Knight, yeah! will be challenging Roman Reigns for the WWE Universal Championship. And I'm like, fuck yes. Fuck yes, finally. Now, this show is in Saudi Arabia. 
LA Knight's not going to win this show. Peel back the curtain, right? Like I can just, you feel it, you see it. If you're, if you have any smart mark tendencies at all, I think you can see that coming a mile away. I like, this is perfect. This is what LA Knight is built for though. Is like, Kind of, you know, this discussion on enhancement talent that I did on the last podcast and, and, and talked about LA Knight a few times in it. He's sort of upping where on the card he's going to do the enhancing. He's, he's enhanced some mid-carders for a while, and now he's enhancing the main eventers, which means he is a main eventer. Which means we're going to get to really see how he performs as a main eventer. So it's L.A. Knight, Roman Reigns. I am so jacked for that match. I think there's just a lot of different ways it could go, including, and and this is not my uh, original thought to me. I saw this on TikTok or Twitter or wherever. I wish I could remember. Uh, The idea that Roman Reigns should win this match clean. I really like that. I really like that because Roman Reigns always cheats. Oh, he's cheats. And LA Knight is kind of being perceived because of the way WWE books is maybe being a few steps beneath Roman Reigns in theory on a competitive wrestling level. In theory, I don't know. We'll find out. But um, if that is true, and I'm okay with that being true, like give him another year. Go after other titles, do other things, and then win the big one. You know, I think that, I mean, I, the only reason I don't think it's time to put the belt on LA Knight personally is because I'm a mark for Cody Rhodes, and I, I, I have predictions. I have predictions. I think I know the main event of the next two WrestleManias. I really do. Night two main events. I don't know the night one main events. I know the night two main events of, the, of WrestleMania 40 and 41, and maybe – Maybe next week on the podcast. Next week on the podcast, it's going to be Halloween day. So maybe I get dressed up and do some predictions. Maybe that's finally coming. Circling, full circle coming back. Because I I, I get the sense that LA Knight doesn't get the belt until after that story plays out. The Universal Championship. He's also older by then. Things have changed by then. We'll see. Uh, maybe that never happens. Uh, but there's also now the heavyweight championship for him to go after. So he can go after Seth Rollins or maybe Seth drops to a heel. He Then L.A. Knight goes after that person, whatever. Uh, L.A. Knight would be an amazing candidate to take the belt off of Gunther. Like, you got to transfer. You build all this sort of equity, I like to call it, in wrestlers when they do these long title runs with Gunther and Roman Reigns. So... Who and why are you going to transfer that equity into? You, you're going to plan on getting something out of that story and out of that person. And so kind of what level do you insert L.A. Knight to receive some equity now here uh, is kind of the question. Um, and who, uh, who's going to do the job for him? <laughs> Who impactful in the storylines and in the show is going to do the job for him? And Gunther seems like a great candidate. He's wrestling heel. L.A. Knight is such a baby face. L.A. Knight coming in and challenging Gunther. That'd be a great WrestleMania match, actually. So we shall see. I know uh, people, Gunther versus Bro- uh, Brock Lesnar has been teased. And 
uh, giving Gunther a little, building him a little more this way, maybe the way they go with that. So who knows? Who knows? I'm interested. This is, man, it's so good. It's so good when it's done right because then your brain can't find it. And, that's, and then you really become the mark, <laughs> which is where you want to be. You want to enjoy it. That's the whole point is to enjoy it. So that's what I love about what they're doing over there and love about those guys like LA and I, like Gunther, like Eosky, like Charlotte Flair. Uh, <clears throat> trying to think. I forgot to type it down. The other matches for Crown Jewel. I think they teased Damian... Priest versus Cody Rhodes. That could be a really interesting match. Here it is. Seth Rollins versus Drew McIntyre for the World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, I'm not a huge Drew McIntyre guy. Uh, Hopefully that match could be good, though. You know, Seth Rollins with the Heavyweight Championship has been fine. You haven't really felt that he was threatened to drop it at any point. I think that they're building up the belt. I think that they're building up the idea, like kind of establishing it in the minds of the audience as being a thing and what it is and why there's now a third main event belt, if you will, in the mix. I don't even know if the WWE Universal Championship is still two championships or if it's now one. I don't even know anymore. So we have we have two and a half champion main event championships now. Uh, and it just always felt like Seth was picked to build up the first one. Like, okay, Seth, we're going to give you this belt for... 12 months, and we're going to have you kind of establish its reputation. And I mean, it's smart. It's good. It's it's a good call. But because of that, you know, it kind of under it makes some of these matches feel a little underwhelming. You know, when you when you feel the finish so telegraphed, okay, well, whatever. The last match I want to talk about, and this will be the last match and the last thing we talk about on the show today, and I'm excited to talk about this one, The United States Championship, Rey Mysterio, the champion, coming in against my guy, Logan Paul. That's right. That's my guy. I'm a Logan Paul fan. I never thought I would say that, but I guess I never thought that I would never say that. I just never saw myself marking out for Logan Paul, but I feel like I don't know. Again, where's the line? The booking, the creative, where's the kayfabe, what's real, what's not. I don't know what Logan Paul's contract with WWE is. I don't know what his commitment with WWE is. The United States Championship seems custom made for somebody like Logan Paul. Somebody with a level of celebrity. Somebody who's going to draw attention to the wrestling business from outside of the wrestling business especially in the demographic young males like that WWE is trying to entertain, trying to get to show up to the shows. Logan Paul has that audience. And the United States Championship, a mid-car belt with some history, with some reputation, this thing was made for Logan Paul to carry around, to carry on to his podcast, to carry on to all the various talk shows and podcasts that he goes on, to draw attention to the WWE, to draw attention to wrestling. I think Logan Paul wins this match. If there's any way they can work that, he wins this match and he carries that belt. He can have a big match. Ooh, 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 download, download. Logan Paul wins the U.S. championship and then drops it to L.A. Knight at WrestleMania 40. Oh, that would be amazing. 
That would be amazing. Or just at whatever PLE. That would be amazing. So I think Logan Paul wins this match. That's kind of like my kind of a sleeper pick. I don't know if people are thinking that Logan Paul's going to get over on this or not. I think he will. It's Rey Mysterio. He's Rey Mysterio. He can lose to anyone, and it just doesn't blemish him. It just it just rolls off his back like like water off of a duck. Like I'm Rey Mysterio. It just, I'm just still Rey Mysterio. It doesn't matter who I lose to. I'm still Rey Mysterio. You know. So I'm fired up. I'm fired up. I, th- I think that can be a great match. I think they complement each other pretty well. They're both kind of high flying energies. Logan Paul still learning the game. Rey Mysterio, an amazing opponent for him to be 1v1 with, to learn from, to work with. (sighs) WWE is doing some things right, motherfuckers. Hey, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you for going on the journey with me. I'm curious what you guys thought if you listen uh, uh, to the podcast. I say that during the podcast. Of course, you listen to the podcast. I'm curious what you thought, particularly about the first segment, the first half of this show. What are your thoughts on AEW? What are your thoughts on professional wrestling? What kind of wrestling do you like? Do you subdivide the genres and have a preference? What genre do you think AEW is? Am I wrong? Do they have a soul? Do they have an identity? I didn't call them soulless, did I? That would be a bit harsh. (laughs) But does AEW have a stronger identity that I'm missing, that you've identified? I'm curious about that. I'm curious what people are thinking. I like engaging in the conversation. That is a fucking blast for me. This whole thing, the podcast has been a fucking blast for me. I've been having fun doing this, filming these, putting these out, engaging with people. Uh, So I'm really excited for the future of Rope Break. I'm really excited for the future of professional wrestling. It's so interesting right now. I think the indies, I just watched a podcast with Billy Corgan, uh, the owner of the NWA, and it's just like the indie scene is generating momentum and has personalities like Billy Corgan involved. AEW at an interesting crossroads right now. Are they going to swoop back in or are they going to stumble? WWE, are they going to squash the competition like they've done before? Or maybe being involved with Endeavor, maybe the sale, may, the sale, excuse me, maybe Triple H being in charge of creative. I mean, that can go any way. So we'll find out. We'll find out. It's an amazing time to be a wrestling fan. It's an amazing time to be a rope break fan. Thank you for going on the journey with me, motherfuckers. I will see you this Sunday, October 29th, at our eFed pay-per-view. Our pay-per-views are free. It's Lucha de los Muertos. The WMW World Championship will be defended by the champion Satoshi. He is my, uh, or excuse me, he used to be my ashtray. He became a real boy with uh, sexy thick thighs. And the challenger from the Evil Alliance, my friend, uh, I work, I'm her manager, Callie Setsy coming in to challenge for the world championship. It's going to be an amazing show. It's going to be an amazing match. So come October 29th to Lucha de los Muertos. And, of course, every Tuesday, motherfuckers. I'll see you guys. Bye. I ain't never missed my cue. Never, ever, ever missed my cue.